Welcome back to the Agile Coffee Podcast. This is episode 62. My name is Vic Bonacci. You can find me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. And my name's Larry Lawhead. You could find me on Twitter at Larry Lawhead. That's it. That's it. So, Larry, um, welcome to the opening of the podcast. Usually I do this by myself, but I'm happy that you're here. You can help yeah, me. Yeah, you sound so lonely when you, when you kick these off. I'm thinking, but Vic needs a little help here. He needs a little support. So here I am to support you, Vic. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. And I appreciate, you know, everything that you do. Working with you has been a pleasure. Oh, yeah. Same here. And, and you know, you, you bring a lot of positive energy and, and, um, and knowledge, um, a lot of deep experience. Um, I'm not just calling you old. <laughs> you can't go ahead. I won't hurt my feelings. <laughs> but today, uh, today's podcast, we're going to um, be hearing from a few voices from the Agile Open um, SoCal in in 2019, the one that we just did here in September, just about a month ago or so. Um, and actually, you're one of the voices that I, I talked to. Down yeah, that's there. right. Because you got all the most important people there, and I was one <laughs> of them, obviously. That's right. Um, but you were also very. You've been very involved with the Agile Open. You still are. Um, you want to just share with us what's what's your role? How did you get roped into volunteering for the yeah. Agile Open, oh, and what do you do for? It's, it's actually your fault. It's. Uh, it, I don't know. I don't think I've ever told you this. So now you can feel guilty about it. But so I'll, wait, I'll lay it on really heavy. Here. Okay. So we were having an Agile coffee at some coffee bar. Uh-huh. Uh I don't know, a few years ago, and Dave Lokeets was there, and he was oh, all kind yeah. of bothered about this Agile Open thing, and uh, he goes, so that was one of the topics he discussed. Yeah. Was I need help with this Agile Open? In Southern California. And I was, well, I won't say I was dumb enough to ask what's the problem <laughs> because I really enjoyed it. But I was naive enough there to ask, go. well, David, what's the problem? What, what, what's going on here? You know, because at that point in time, I had already fallen in love with the Agile community in SoCal. There's yeah. so many yeah, yeah. amazing people here. Uh, this will be remembered as the, the place where it all happened. What happened? Everything. Happened? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, agile energy. Agile energy bursts across the globe. I know. I know a lot yeah, of other yeah, people yeah. will lay claim to that earlier, but yeah. this is where it's it's really all happening. Yeah, it feels like the center of the agile universe to me. Yeah, for me sure. too. <laughs> exactly. So, but so. but that was like you said, that was some years ago. It was probably like three or four years ago. I'm guessing yep, now. Yep. And uh, you've been involved now, volunteering, um, reaching out to sponsors for us. Yes. You you do a lot of that, not only for the one. In SoCal, which we hold in Orange County every year, but also for you work for the San Diego one. San too, Diego right? also, yeah. I, I uh, because I enjoy this. I worked in nonprofits for a long time, uh, and so I'm used to doing membership drives or uh, sponsorship drives, or mm -hmm. whatever you want to call them, whatever context you might want to wrap around them. And I like working with people to share a vision. Yeah. And so it's this is an event. This is an event that supports the community. The event looks like this, uh, and it has these benefits for the community. So are you interested in supporting the community? Most everyone is. I mean, mm -hmm. that's almost a given before I even start the conversation. Mm. And then uh, we just talk about, well, what companies show up and what, what have people said about the event in the past? Mm -hmm. uh, and how has it helped individuals and their organizations? And so that usually gets people's interest. And uh, we started out the first several years with mostly consultancies um, wanting to support, which is which is okay. I have a Rocket Nines there. We have a table. We, yep. we do our support every year. Uh, and that's a great place to get to know people. Mm -hmm. But it's also then a great place to be able to go and then share uh, to strengthen the community. Uh, and 
just the fact that you're there, but also because you supported it makes the event more affordable to almost everyone. Yeah, and speaking of affordability, I mean, we're not trying to plug for the Agile Open necessarily. It's already happened, but under $200 a ticket. I think early bird is somewhere around 165 It was $170, I think, for sure. $170, yeah. yeah. Um, for a two-day conference, you can't find it anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's it, it, no, such a great value. A lot of, a lot of people fall on hard times they they mm-hmm. get laid off or they can't find a gig immediately and they're in this little vacuum mm-hmm. and when you are down on your finances the last place you want to go is to go to a conference to increase your knowledge to make you better and more hireable so to speak so that it's it's kind of almost an anti-pattern i don't have the money i won't go well yeah through sponsorships we're able to lower the price enough so mm-hmm. anybody can go so almost anybody can afford to 175 or whatever it was well i think about one of the the bigger gatherings or conferences or whatever you call it where they have like 1200 people 1500 people there and you have to shell out 800 bucks a thousand bucks whatever just to get in the door just not to, to mention door, your hotel yeah. and your travel and everything else but this for us is local so that you know we don't have to worry about hotel or, or travel necessarily and the conference itself like i say it's it's 20 percent of a, a big conference yep, yep. And, and it's if you ask me i mean the sessions are are just as good um if not you know better because you have a say in in what you uh what's said i mean if if there's a topic that no one else has proposed and you want a topic, you want to hear that topic, then go ahead and propose it and get it up there and, and lead it off and who knows what happens. Yeah, so, exactly. So great value. You know, that reminds me of something that happened last year. Uh, someone from, uh, actually, it was for, but someone said, um, uh, I need help because my manager doesn't see the value in having a product owner. Okay. And so they posted <clears throat> it up on the wall. And guess what? Mm-hmm. I think that person returned this year, and I've been looking at that company anyhow. Mm-hmm. And by golly, they've been getting the product owners. Oh, good. So somehow yeah. she got the input she needed yeah. to be able to go to her manager and make a case for a product owner. And apparently it helped. Yeah. It, that's great. Talk with other people and, and, and figure it out. Um, likewise, these, these lean coffees, whether we record them or we just do them in our community, Similarly, uh, although on a much smaller scale, very valuable. So oh, I've been yeah. running them yeah. for seven years now or something like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm no expert. I still have a lot of questions, but I like showing up. And you came to the last one. Uh, Cliff was there from Rocket9 as well. We had a few of us there. Um, and, and people brand new to Scrum, brand new to Agile um, would, would start asking questions. And, and I sat next to you and you said something that was new to me. I was like, oh, that's great. I can take that away. Right. And, and, and same thing. Like I'll, I might say something that other people get yep. value out of. Uh, so, I mean, I encourage people, if you're listening out here and you haven't checked out an open space, um, if you're on the West Coast, obviously there's, there's the one in SoCal in September, in Northern California in October, and uh, San Diego, which is always in, in March, about six months opposite us here. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find out more information there by going to the website agile open california yeah exactly and then click your way through to the event that you're looking for yeah yeah but i think it's a, i think it's a dot com agile open california.com it could be dot org but yeah anyway, google it you'll figure it out <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Um, but there's also the the one up in um it it's agile open northwest which cycles between seattle and portland oregon um every year also in february or march 
Um, and, and there's many other open spaces across the country, uh, sometimes packed within a larger conference, you might find an open space, like on a middle day. We did that when, uh, when I was chair of the uh, Global Gathering in San Diego a few years ago, too. Um, always a, a great value to have an open space. And, and speaking of open spaces and the value that they provide, um, recently Rocket9 was fortunate enough to be involved in a couple of other open spaces. Do you oh, wanna... yeah. Those were great. Yeah. Those were great. One was at a... Uh, these were both at Fortune 500 companies. Well, one uh, was probably a Fortune 300, and the other is probably a Fortune 50, if you want to get most more likely, specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And uh, I was amazed at, first of all, that they were brave enough to do it. Yeah. They had an internal champion, a guy that we've known for yep, years, a yep. great, great fellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he just thought, it's time to do it. Mm-hmm. So he organized it. He made the proposal. He put together an outline. He submitted it, and his boss thought this was a great idea, so they funded it. And uh, they spread the word. And the deal was that they, I think, I can't remember exactly how many people ended up coming. Mm-hmm. But they were really down. Uh, their their uh, registrations were down. He didn't know, boy, you know, okay, fine. If five people show up, we'll do this. Mm-hmm. But then at a, another uh, event that they had as a company, he was putting in a plug for this. And uh, his vice president was listening in. And then the vice president stands up to the mic and basically says, you guys got to go to this. And that was all it took to open the floodgates. (laughs) It was great. I was holding space. So I've been doing that a lot lately at the uh, not only the open spaces that we do, the Agile Opens, but I was uh, fortunate enough to be invited to hold space at, at the first one here that you mentioned. And then the uh, the second one that we did was was a little bit smaller, different scale. Um, I wasn't holding space there. We had uh, they had an internal um, again, an internal champion of Agile who was holding space there. She did a fantastic job. Um, but what I liked about that one was that they tried an experiment with open space. Oh yeah, that they, was interesting. They they had it virtual. They had some people in the. Um, in the location that we were at, probably a dozen or 15 of us there, and we had three or four breakout rooms. Um, but they also had um, had the cameras on and the audio on in each of the rooms, uh, and they used a technology called Mural. Yes. The Mural yep. boards that they could um, put put items on their marketplace virtually. Um, how do you think that went? Oh, it went great. I've seen them use Mural before in other contexts. And for this open space, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Th- this is exciting. I have to say this. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine a test-driven development process for COBOL? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the sessions is on yeah. test-driven development for COBOL. And right. the, the guy had tools lined up that he's, he was, uh, he was in, uh, interested in using and I think he had begun to use. And I think his session was one of the ones that was attended uh, the most. And they had a lot of remote people because they had their COBOL uh, developers in at least two different locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sessions that I went to, the first one, on, the first one was on um, working with, with remote people. And um, it was it was terrific because it was again it was just a few of us in there but but it was facilitated by someone who was remote yeah. <laughs> and and his his entire job for the last fifteen years has been working with teams that are remote and so he um, he he said first of all we're all people so we have to practice empathy and a lot of his points that he brought up were based on empathy and getting to know the people behind the voices on the other side of the phone or, or seeing their faces um, and, and just getting to know them as, as human beings. Um, and, and then we shared a lot of tips and tricks that you could use with, with remote teams, remote people everywhere. And I thought it was a really powerful, I've, I've worked with remote teams. I've 
I've told people when they have questions <laughs> about how to work with remote teams, do this and do that, try this, try that. But the session itself was just, I mean, he boiled it down to his essence and it was, it was really powerful. Then the second one was, um, one of the people in charge of the uh, human resources department oh, came yeah. and that was, that was powerful. right. Yeah. She gave, uh, her, her session was all about on, on, on conflict and, and managing conflict and handling working, working with conflict, I should say. And, and yeah, very powerful stuff. And to come from someone in HR yeah, who was really bought HR in department you know? and they were bought in. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so I, the reason I wanted to ask you about this open space is because um, now I'm not sure if you're familiar, but Rocket Nine is able to start uh, introducing some of these services out to our community. So other yep. people, other organizations in the area can start saying, hey, you know, what is this open space? How do we get started? Well, reach out to us at at Rocket Nine, go to rocketninesolutions.com. You can find out more information there, or just reach out to Larry or myself, and, and we can we can um, lead you to the to the answers that you need. Um, but yeah, we're able to um, either over the phone answer questions, or all the way up to like come and, and help you host it, set it up logistically, um, hold space for you, run a marketplace, and and uh, and close the session uh, successfully. So. Uh, so that's something I think is is really important because of what you just said. All the benefits uh, that we've found of of having open spaces to begin with um, can be used at the organization. Yeah. Level. I found these to be very helpful yeah. uh, in both cases. The the topics centered around items relevant to the companies specifically. Where at an open space in general, you get yeah, well, yeah, general topics, right? But these were very specific. Like, uh, we have this big cobalt team, and we have to come to grips with test-driven development. They yeah. they they had um, Woody Zulin for mob programming a couple of times. They were mm -hmm. really interested in it. He walked them through in his Gemba walk. He walked them through some ideas, mm -hmm. and they decided to let's let's wrestle this thing down. Yeah, it was great to see Woody there too. As oh yeah, I, I just love him. He usually comes to our Agile Opens in SoCal. He didn't make it this year, but then we saw him the next week at, yeah, at this other yeah. open space. So that was fantastic. Um, just real quick before we get into the content of today's episode, um, all of the resources that you're hearing about will be found online at agilecoffee.com/episode62. Um, a couple of other important announcements we have coming up: the first ever. TKP class that we are hosting. We've had other people come in and, and host a TKP, which is a Team Kanban Practitioner course. Um, but this time around, uh, we've got our own Van Ray. Van has been you know, working with Rocket9 for well over a year. Um, he's, he's still going to be working with us in the future, uh, especially on these, these Kanban activities. But right now, he's, um, he's offering this course on November 15th, which is a Friday, uh, here in Southern California. It's in Costa Mesa at National University. You can find out more information about the uh, the TKP class online at rocket9solutions.com. Um, have you gone to a TKP class yourself? Yes, I have. I haven't gone with the one that Van uh, teaches, but I'm, I'm confident that this is going to be great. He's he's amazing with uh, with Kanban. He, he gave a, um, he spoke at a technical information forum at a client recently, mm -hmm. uh, just yesterday as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. and Boy, the questions that were coming had they were over eighty people wow. remote listening in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the room had maybe a dozen people. Mm -hmm. A lot of them senior managers, which I was excited about. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there was a vice president even in the in the audience. Well, Van knows his stuff. He so knows I mean, his people stuff, yeah. people hear his name and they they come. In fact, he'll be on our next podcast. So if you're interested in hearing more about Kanban, 
uh, and you can't make his his TKP class, which is going to be invaluable. I'll be there uh, on November fifteenth. You can come back to the Agile Coffee Podcast episode sixty three, and uh, and Van will be here to talk uh, Kanban with us. In fact, Larry, if you could join us for that, that'd be great. Yeah, I think I'll be there. Okay, I have to give you a tip though. If you're going to listen to that podcast, have a bucket of water next to your chair because he'll set your hair on fire. He will. Yeah. Well, also, what I love about his class that's coming up is they're piloting a new way to teach the class. So, you know, you go to a one-day training, and depending on who you go to and what you go see, it could be, you know, a little bit dry. But not this one. No. No. Not only is it Kanban. I mean, Van makes it come alive. As you said, he sets your hair on fire. But also, they're piloting a new way to teach the class, a stylistic update. They're, uh, they're introducing training from the back of the room techniques. Uh, within the class. So I'm excited. I'll, like I said, I'll be there and I hope to learn not only about Kanban, but how does, uh, how does Van uh, interpret some of these, uh, what's he got up his sleeve in terms of some of these uh, uh, training from the back of the room activities that, that he's using to, uh, to make this class more compelling and, and, and more uh, attractive for, for people. Speaking of training from the back of the room, upcoming, it's a ways away still, but um, let you know now March 14th and 15th in San Diego is uh, our next training from the back of the room class. It's going to be the two days right after the Agile Open San Diego. So if you're coming into town, San Diego, for an Agile Open and you want to spend an extra two days at the same location in the Marina Village there um, and and learn some of these um, activities and and lessons, uh, just meaningful techniques that you can use if you do any kind of training or coaching or consulting uh, with adults, this is, in my opinion, it's pretty darn darn good. Um, But you've been to one of those Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that. um, And I've done a lot of public speaking in my day. um, And you always wonder about uh, how can I help the heavy eye syndrome? No matter mm-hmm. what you're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, as you can kind of tell, I tend to be somewhat passionate about the things I think are important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I try to fire it up and make it as interesting as possible just because it's, it's there, it's in my heart, it's part of who I am. But even at that, it, you mm-hmm. see the guys in the front, what kind of, uh, yeah, <laughs> their yeah, eyes yeah. are getting heavy. Especially after lunch. Spe- oh, things, lunch right? is horrible. Yeah. Well, the whole point, and I went through your class and I got some amazing tips how to engage people mentally, how to engage them physically, get them up out of the chairs and move them to the wall, have them put some stuff up there, then have them do a walk around and look at the other posters others have created and get that conversation going. And it's all part of our agile way of living is to get people to talk, get people to internalize it, get people to ask their own questions and answer their own questions. That's so I I really like this style of training a lot. I wish I had it 20 years ago for sure. (laughs) Well, great. Uh, So that's coming up in March. You can find out more information about our own training from the back of the room class if you visit rocket9solutions.com. Well, Larry, let's check in with Scott first, and then we'll go ahead and give a listen to these interviews from the Agile Open SoCal. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah, I can't wait. All right. Uh, So, Scott, today, can you tell us a little bit about kind of the range of services that Rocket9 offers and, and, and how we present ourselves to our clients. So anyone who goes to the website or knows about Rocket9 in our area knows we do agile coaching and training, right? So you can come to the public classes, the certified classes. You can come and get Kanban training. You can get private classes, and you can ask us to come and do, quote-unquote, agile coaching. But I think the real value for us and for the customers, what our approach to agile coaching isn't to come and 
tell people what they're doing wrong. It isn't to give a prescriptive approach and say, well, this is what we know, so we're going to teach you that as the right thing and fit in with that. What we come to, 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 to show up with our customers is they have some challenge. They have some goal that they're after, right? There's a pain or there's a gain. So we're looking really at their outcomes. And the way we come alongside is what we've known, our experience, bringing that and, and, and working with them in a way that makes them the hero in the journey, right? They're, they're the ones who'll still be there after we're done. We want to set them up for success, whatever that success is, you know, predictability, time to market, better quality, whatever, you know, get your people more motivated or engaged. Come together, give them the tools and knowledge that they can kind of wrestle through what they think works best um, and set them up for success. And so it is, it is a bit like Yoda to their Skywalker that they would be made the hero of that. But I think for us, success is, the client looks great, right? We'll take a vote for the client. We'll do dirty work for the client. We'll ask stupid questions you know, on behalf of the client. We'll be vulnerable and approachable and authentic with the client. But in the end, it is service to the client. We want them to make them look good. So I think that for me is the powerful part because in the end, what does that glorious moment look like for them? What does success like for them? We had a you know, client on the stage at one of the major conferences talking about their success uh, story. So that to me is that success look like. And I think in the end, we have... Unfortunately, uh, people out there should know we have gone to customers who already they've already tried once or twice or three times mm -hmm. to quote unquote go agile, yeah. and we've heard some of the stories about how those engagements went with others. And I just think um, we don't want to see that happen. I think it's worth the time to kind of make sure it's a good fit for whomever that is. But there are people who literally, and this is the pain for me. I've been there internally with companies. There's political capital at stake. There's money being spent. What do you get for that? And, and honestly, some people's roles, this is a big aspect of what their goals were that year. You know, what's on the line for them? Mm -hmm. So we don't want that outcome for them. We want the glorious outcome for them. How can we you know, set them up for success so they can get there and they can lead their teams there? That's really what we're after. Thanks, Scott. So joining me now is Paul Tevis, and Paul can be found on Twitter at P. Tevis. Is that right? Yep. Also at Vigamus. Vigamus, V-I-G-E-M-U-S, because while Latin is clever, it's not necessarily the most memorable way to title your company. <laughs> and what's this Latin word mean? <laughs> this means we thrive. We thrive. So I uh, started up uh, Vigamus Consulting just last December, actually, hey, after, you know, 18 years in-house yep. in various organizations. Yeah. I went out on my own. Yep. And uh, and I, now I say I have a very small or sometimes short consulting firm. I'm 5'7". So there we are. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. So here we are at the 11th Agile Open SoCal. And you've been at a few of these now. I think this is my 6th or 7th. Yeah. Uh, I love this conference. This is right. my, one of my favorites of the year. Right. Because, you know... I love open space. Um, mm -hmm. It's a it's a wonderful technology. It allows what needs to happen to happen. Mm -hmm. um, I love the connections that I make here, and I love the things that I learn, uh, and I'm able to share. Um, yeah. So it's great. I love this conference. Cool. And I really like the new venue too. This is the second year we've been here, and I really like it. That's right. Yeah, the continuing education building school of UCI here is great. It's like this open air space that we're sitting in now in the courtyard. It feels like we're in a treehouse with all the yeah. you know, the trees behind us <laughs> and the glass all around us here too. Um, so yesterday on day one of the event here, you had a session 
Stop Annoying Me. Now, is that what it was called? Stop Annoying People. Stop Annoying People. The long version is uh, Stop Annoying People, a short course for everyone. (laughs) I participated in it, but what... uh, Could you tell us briefly about what the uh, idea was and what the objectives were on that? So, uh, fundamentally... um, it's not really about annoying people. It's about anything that we do that sort of causes friction um, with other people. A lot of the work that I do is around helping people work better together. Mm-hmm. And, and just kind of, I do a lot of work with conflict, um, and I do also a lot of work with empathy. And fundamentally, we do things because they're useful to us uh, or because we believe they'll be useful to us. We have a good intention behind the thing that we're doing. Mm. And sometimes that has an undesirable, unexpected, unintended consequence on somebody else. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's, I do a thing that's useful to me, and it's annoying to you. Mm. And vice versa, I'm sure. So what I did in that session um, was kind of walk people through some facilitated activities to help them understand why is it that they do the thing they do? Like, what's the value that they're trying to get out of it? Mm -hmm. And also, what consequence does it have? Like, what is the impact that it's having on another person? And then what might they do instead, you know, that, that could get them what they want without having that unfortunate consequence? Um, and this is rooted in a lot of the, the learning that I've done around non, nonviolent communication, mm-hmm. right? That we have needs that are underneath our behaviors mm-hmm. and that conflict comes from, a con- from a strategies not aligning. Yeah. Um, and so if we can get in touch with what our needs are, we can actually develop better strategies for having them be met that don't actually cause conflict. Okay. So it's, as I told our friend Lorraine Aguilar, this is my stealth NVC session. <laughs> <laughs> and we only had 50 minutes for the session, but I thought it fit really well. In that 50 minutes, like you said, you you had people um, fill out a a card with some questions on it, printed out. Very nice cards, by the way. Um, And you facilitated that part. And then you had us break up and and pair up a couple of times before the final event, which was, you called it Troika Consulting? Troika Consulting, yeah. So one of the things I've been digging into in the last year has been uh, a facilitation toolkit called Liberating Structures. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book out about this, and there's also some immersion trainings you can do around it. And the idea is that in human interaction, we tend to either under or over-constrain people. Uh, mm-hmm. And that when we under-constrain, when we don't give, you know, when the only possibility we have for sample conversation in a large group is open discussion, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't serve the ends that we're trying to achieve, usually. And so... Liberating Structures really kind of gives us the idea that we want to hit the sweet spot in terms of under, not under or over constraining, right? We don't want to have just an open discussion where it's dominated by the loudest voices, mm-hmm. um, but we also don't want to over constrain where we really limit um, people's ability to participate and also the potential outcomes we could be getting. Yeah. So Liberating Structures is a set of these different tools um, that are designed to be used in a really scalable format. So, for example, yesterday when we did uh, impromptu networking, which involves pairing up, right. and then liberating, and then uh, Troika Consulting, which involves working in triads, yeah. that can scale up to a, an almost unlimited number of people because oh. participation is highly distributed. Right. So with Troika Consulting, what we did right was you once you had the challenge that you wanted to get some advice on, you were basically signed to uh, you uh, paired up paired up, quad, tried up, whatever you mm-hmm. call that, with two other people. And then there was a very specific way you interacted where they ended up giving you advice. Right. And that, I think we had about 20 people in the session. Sure. But you could have easily done that with 60, 120. I see. Or as few as three. And I love that Troika Consulting, too, because as you explained it, one person who's receiving the advice, advice takes their chair and turns it around so their back is to the other right. two people who are then 
giving advice, but it's as if they're having a dialogue with the other person outside of the room, and yet that person's right there. And it's from the observation that oftentimes when we want to give people advice, Mm -hmm. we're kind of watching to see how it lands with them. Yeah. And depending on how they're receiving it, we may or may not be telling them what is really useful to them. Yeah. And so by having the person receiving the advice turn around... It means that the consultants can't really react to it. Um, And it's actually really fun because you can do this in a virtual space as well, where you can have the person who's receiving the advice turn off their camera. Oh. And so... They can hear what yeah. the what is being said because that's the whole point is that they're sure. they're listening in and then when they're done uh, when the consultants are done giving advice you know the client turns back around and says here Thank is you. what I found <laughs> useful about yeah. what you were saying mm-hmm. um, and it also tends to really improve their ability to listen mm-hmm. right that that <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, little tools, and there are 32 other tools in that toolkit yeah. um, that I'm really enjoying digging into and really helping groups um, kind of unlock the, the possibilities that they have um, by restructuring the way they're having conversations. Well, that spins right into the next topic that you're going to give here today, which is you've got the paper in front of us, Liberating Structures, Facilitation Tools to Unleash Everyone. So what you're saying is we're all leashed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, fundamentally, like I said, like we tend to, to under or over constrain. Mm-hmm. So how do we... Um, so there's a session that I was in here yesterday where we were talking about strong personalities dominating conversations. Mm. And I made the observation that what's happening is that the structure that you're using for your conversation affords certain people the opportunity to dominate it. Mm-hmm. And so if you actually want to change... Like Conway's Law, right? Yeah, was that the, I heard someone say, have you heard about Conway's Law? Was that that session? No, it was a okay. different one. Oh, okay. uh, but it's that, that if you want different behavior, change mm-hmm. the structure. Yeah. Because the people who are, are using that way of interacting, they're just playing by the rules you've, you've created. Mm. Now, it happens to be that those are rules that advantage them and disadvantage other people. And so, for yeah. example, in open discussion, right? It's going to be the people who are comfortable speaking in front of 25 other people mm-hmm. who are very quick to process information, who feel very confident in what they have to offer. But that doesn't mean that those are necessarily the people with the best ideas. Yeah, right. And so the idea behind a lot of the the liberating structures work is the idea that if we change up the structure of how we interact, Mm -hmm. then then we have a better chance of getting the best ideas out of a group. Okay, and that's where that under constraining can 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 cause us to not be served, and so and, and so this next one is this like a survey then of yeah. some of your favorite? Or? Yeah, we're going to play yeah. around with a few um, okay. because the way that uh, I find that it's really useful to learn these is to to experience them and then mm-hmm. and then debrief on them. So that's actually right. what we're going to do is we'll do a couple of different ones depending on who shows up and what they're yeah. kind of interested in. We'll play with some of them. We'll do one and then we'll do a. So what did you notice about that? What did you like about it? How might you use that? I love that. That's um, great. And then kind of reflect on that. The way that um, I really learned about a lot of these is that the Liberating Structures community will do these two-day immersions Mm. where it's just two days of that. So last uh, March, I was in Seattle Right. And we did like 20 of these things in two days. Yeah, I feel it, like every time I've gone to Seattle, I've heard more about liberating structures and nowhere else are people talking about a it. Part of it is yeah. that one of the co-creators, okay. um, uh, Keith McCandless, lives in Seattle right. and they have okay. a big user community oh, up nice. in Seattle. There's actually a, a liberating structures 
a meetup group in Los Angeles that started up about a year ago, okay. or a year or two ago, that I'm now involved with. Oh, great. Um, and so it's... Uh, and you're based in Santa Barbara? I am area? in Santa Barbara, okay. actually, yeah. yes. Uh, but I come down to L.A. Uh, moderately often for client work or yeah. for, for other fun stuff. Right. I'm kind of all from San Diego to San Francisco is where I, I'm kind of at okay. uh, in terms of the work I'm doing right now. But I'm also doing a lot more work online, which is actually mm. really great. So, yeah, actually, that brings me to another thing I wanted to talk to you about. You did have planned um, a conflict-based course here at the event space that we're at, but on, on like the third day, the day after the yeah. event. And that didn't, you know, it kind of fell through. But what... Did that lead then to the online course, or is it different? So the the interesting thing about you know being out on my own now, mm-hmm. um, I uh, now have to try to apply all of these things that I tried to teach to teams for years, yeah. right, about market validation and customer development and lean startup. And, right. and it's like now I, I have to actually do those things that I've been teaching people about. So as my business has been getting started, I've been really trying to figure out what are some experiments that I can do cheaply, inexpensively, easily to learn what I can really do, what there really is a market for, where there's good product market fit with the stuff that I do. So I, um, one of the things that I was going to do is I was going to offer a workshop here. What was that um, workshop called? It was called uh, Working Effectively with Conflict. Because yes. a lot of the work that yeah. I'm doing right now is around conflict, empathy, uh, feedback, and psychological safety. Mm. Um, I like to say that uh, as because I was a software engineer for 14 years before I moved into agile coaching and then eventually into coaching and facilitation. Um, I say that, you know, there's the hard skills of our, of our domains, right? Yeah. Of, of, and then of, of how to actually do the technical work. Yeah. And then there's the harder skills of actually working together. I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> uh, when I do training on, on Agile and Scrum, I talk about the values. And I say, back in business school, it was like the soft skills yeah. that all the, the MBAs were like, oh, forget about those soft skills. But those soft skills are really hard. Yeah. But I like how you say it. There's They're the harder. hard skills and the harder yeah. skills. <laughs> and that came from a conversation I had with Diana Larson at yeah. this event All probably right. three years ago right. okay. where, where she introduced me to that phrase. And I've really loved it. So oh, okay. a lot of the work that I do is with helping people and particularly technology leaders. Right. I say mm-hmm. that I work with technology leaders who want to work as effectively with people as they do with technology. Mm-hmm. Because that was a, a that was a transition I went through where it was like I was really good eh, I was okay, you know at at the technical side of things and then I really had to develop a lot of those leadership skills and and personal interaction skills to get to the next level yeah and I've seen the struggle that people go through when they mm-hmm. hit that the struggle so, is real it is <laughs> so um, so what I was going to do is I was going to offer a, a public workshop here but it was mm-hmm. the first public workshop that I was going to be offering oh wow okay. and so it was just an experiment uh, yeah. this is a great venue and uh, as it turns out. Uh, they also had a very good refund policy. <laughs> so nice. what I was able yeah. to do was basically put stuff out, see if I got enough mm-hmm. attendees, and it turned out I, I really didn't get enough signups to do it. Okay. And fortunately, it was not so I didn't disappoint too many people right. by canceling. But it it told me that the way that I went about trying to market and advertise in that right now is not sufficient. So I yeah. learned that from that. Yeah. But what I'm another thing that I'm doing right now is actually a lot of, of web-based, of virtual yeah, training. Yeah, so tell me about that. That's yeah. So I've got one, actually, uh, this will probably not do your listeners any good because no. it's on Thursday, the 12th of September. But I'm doing another one on October 1st. Okay. And I think another one later in October. And um, we'll have a link to your website so people can find out where they can absolutely. see more of these. And there's going to be more and more coming mm-hmm. up where we're doing stuff. It's uh, I do it via the Zoom platform okay. because Zoom allows you to use break, breakout rooms. Yeah, love it. And so a lot of the liberating structures actually work really well in a virtual environment. Yeah. And, and also, 
Um, I'm a big training for the back of the room fan, proponent, yeah, yeah. and trainer. And so a lot of the tools that I use in uh, for training from the back of the room in person, I can also use in a virtual space. And I'm finding that um, my reach is just much broader, right? That mm-hmm. people don't have to be in Orange County in order to take one of these classes. Yeah. There's still some geographic constraint because time zones are an issue, right? Sure. Um, although I did have the last one that I did, I had someone join from South Africa, which okay. was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so I'm doing more and more of these in usually 90-minute chunks. And so I'm going to do some where they're actually like a series of three. Like we'll do something about working with conflict where the first uh, section is about coming to understand your own relationship with conflict. Mm-hmm. Like how do you see it? How do you perceive it? Mm. Um, because our own perspectives mm-hmm. on conflict really shape what's possible mm-hmm. when we're in conflict. And they also shape our experience of it. And we're often unconscious about those things. We don't, we don't really understand that. Mm-hmm. And if we can take on different perspectives, we can actually change the outcomes we get. Yeah. And then the second one is, is probably really, is really around what's the behaviors that we manifest when we get into conflict that can be problematic. And why do we do those? Those are well-intentioned and they're unskillfully done. Mm-hmm. And how can we recognize what alternatives we have? So I'm going to be doing more of those uh, as well as stuff around how to receive feedback effectively, mm-hmm. giving feedback, um, creating environments for psychological safety because I love yeah. Amy Edmondson's work. Right. And just uh, doing more and more of those online um, uh, and, uh, and hoping to have sort of a broader impact and broader reach with that. Paul, this is all fantastic. Um, so where then can people find out more? What's the website if you can uh, share that URL? With sure, us? you can find out more at vigamus.com. That's V-I-G E-M-U-S dot com. Vigamus right. uh, is Latin. It means we thrive. Love it. Because yeah. fundamentally, um, I've been in organizations where uh, we sort of got to the place where it was like we're succeeding, but we're not thriving. Uh-huh. And that's really... We're barely sufficient. Yeah. <laughs> so you can also find out more at uh, V-I-G-E-M dot U-S slash events. Okay. And that'll take you to the event page that has all of my upcoming uh, workshops on it. Okay. Well, great talking to you here today, and hopefully you enjoy the rest of the uh, the day here at Agile Open. And I absolutely will. I'm sad that there's only about two hours, three hours yeah. left, and then, then I have to brave the traffic and go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, good talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, Vic. And now I'm joined by Larry Lawhead. Hi, Larry. Hi, Vic. Larry is on Twitter, at Larry Lawhead. And, uh, man, Larry, you're... you're a long-time guest of the podcast, and you've been at these Agile Opens with me for as long as I can remember, too. So um, here we are, day two, at Agile Open SoCal uh, 2019, which is our 11th year. 11th year, man. We've can been you at believe this for it? a while. Yep. And, and you're a volunteer. Can you talk real briefly about what your role is as a volunteer oh, for yeah. the Agile Open? Oh, yeah. My responsibility or the thing that I enjoy doing to help and support this event is to find sponsors. Mm-hmm. And so this year we had, uh, I think, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, seven, about 14 sponsors. Yeah. And we, we brought in a record uh, $12,500 to support the event. Man, oh, man. Great job. Kudos to you. So um, did you have any sessions yesterday or did you attend uh, any sessions? I attended was... some sessions yeah. yesterday. Uh, one of them was from uh, uh, one of our sponsors, Unices. They, they were here uh, with a large complement of uh, attendees. And they talked about uh, classic problems teams have when they use uh, introduce them to agile. So they, yeah. you know, like why in the world do we want to estimate? Why, what's with this Fibonacci numbers and why all these dumb meetings? And so they they <laughs> took us through that. You know, as your classic 
yeah. uh, problems, and then everyone in the group discussed how they managed those problems as they surfaced. And it was a really rich conversation. That wasn't with Ben Rodlitz, was it? No, it wasn't. Because I see there is a session called What's Your Problem, and, and it, Ben's name is on it. But I didn't know if that was that session. But no, it, sounds, it was something it similar. similar <laughs> Great. And, and then today, though, you did host a session. Yes, so I did. What was that session called? Uh, coaching, conversa- coaching Stories. Coaching like, Stories. Once upon a time, there was a dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they all end with happily ever after. That was the whole point. I, yeah. I told them not to end with only bad things, okay. but let's end with good things and let's then discuss those good yeah. things. Let's discuss the story and see what we can learn from it. So I, I peeked over your shoulder while you were doing this. You had everyone um, write on sticky notes, like some story titles that they've gone through. And then after everyone introduced their stories, you had each person select one story that they'd like to share then with the group. Yeah, the thing was, I thought, well, this is a great coaching opportunity too. So based on yeah. how you've just heard the, the crowd, the, the, the group, respond to their stories based on those stories tell me what story you think is going to speak to them the most yeah so they picked they did their best they picked it out they explained the story and we discussed it can you share with us any of the story titles oh yeah uh overly focused on acceptance criteria that's a classic anyhow right oh yeah where your team spends all the time going well what about this and how about that and we did did we count for that that was great and this is a brand new and then this is i think is something you you may hear more and more coming up body language during stand-ups oh yeah yeah that was interesting so a person came to the scrum master and said you know i'm sitting there and i'm thinking probably everybody thinks i'm grumpy but i'm not it's just how i sit how do you think i could like change my body language a little bit improve that and I thought, well, that's, I've never been, I've been asked a lot of questions as a scrum master, but never that one. But that's a good one to be asked. Yeah. And so she helped her, uh, she helped that person uh, get through that. And we also then discussed why, why did that um, team member feel he had to change his body language so people wouldn't think he's grumpy. And then we had a great conversation about safe environments. And why didn't he bring it up? To the whole team, and why did he bring it up to the scrum master? I'm glad he did. Yeah, right. Because, like, where are you going to start? Well, start with the scrum master. Sure. Great. Means that that's a really good scrum master. Yeah. But better beyond that, how do you get a good, safe environment and team going? So we had a great conversation about that also. Nice. Any uh, any favorite story that came out of there? Or well, we had, maybe we, a story that you had that you shared. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did. Um, I had these, these are my t- titles. Okay. I had uh, Don't Touch My Stuff and the Three Superheroes. The lost scrum master and above the line. What's the don't touch my stuff all about? Don't touch my stuff. Once upon a time, there was this team <laughs> in the deep, dark forest <laughs> of, of adoption land. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a lead programmer on one of those uh-huh, teams uh-huh. that constantly said, don't touch my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was interesting because it was a little difficult Bless his heart. I, I get it. He was with the company since the very beginning. So this company was a startup, and he was a superhero, and I, he was really good. There's no doubt about it. This company then was finally bought out by a bigger company, and that bigger company said, you got to do scrum. If you don't, you're, well, you got to do scrum. You don't have a choice. So they pulled me in to do that. And so there's this guy, and he, he had built probably half the system himself, right? And he didn't want anybody to touch his stuff. And so as a scrum master, I was confronted with, okay, cross-functional. We need to get this team to cross-functional. And everybody was on board with cross-functionality except, of course, our superhero, the don't-touch-my-stuff guy. So I was agonizing over this bit, and I thought, give him a vision. I have to give him a vision beyond being just 
the superhero because there's some downsides to being that that don't touch my stuff guy. Mm-hmm. And one of them is that uh, you're on vacation somewhere and somebody has a problem and they're calling you on the phone and I don't care if you're in Germany or in the Bahamas or on the moon, they're going to call you because you're the only person that can solve this problem and we got to get this release done, right? Mm-hmm. So you, they feel that pressure. So there's a little bit of an ego boost, but on the other hand, it really it really grinds at the soul. Yeah. So I thought, well, let's just start with that. <laughs> let's wow. start with the, the soul grinding part. So and how, let's try to give him a vision. So how did the uh, the session go then? What was the feedback on the oh, session? It was good. Uh, we, we all told our stories just like I told this one. Yep. Uh, we extracted the lessons from it, and then we made uh, did a uh, half of a second of a second round, oh, and it was just really good to hear how scrum masters have approached certain problems. And I did point them, by the way, mm-hmm. to the Scrum Alliance coaching video series. Oh, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if you want to take this, want to kick this up a notch, <laughs> go, go go see those videos on the Scrum Alliance page. They're really really good. Yeah, the, the, those videos are great. We've been. The group of us have been uh, looking at the videos together. It's, it's good stuff in there. Um, so these sessions were only 50 minutes to get through, what, six or eight stories uh, or something we, like that? Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories. Okay, great. And then what are you going to do with these? What's the next step with these stories? Uh, I'm going to post them on the wall as part of our takeaways from that session. Yep, very nice. Excellent. Any other last thoughts on the... Uh, the event here, the open space that we're doing here? I really like it. You know, Vic, there's nothing... You know, I read... One of the first books I read as a Scrum Master was um, uh, The Wisdom of Crowds. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I got the audio book, and I read it probably four times. Mm. It so spoke to me. Uh, again, because I come from a, a prescriptive background where we used to tell people what to do all the time. Mm-hmm. And that just set my hair on fire. We don't need to do that. You know, the, the, the crowd is smarter than the smartest person in the room. And mm. that's what you see at these open events time after time after time again. And I don't care what you're talking about. At First American, we had this open event, and mm. they didn't talk about Agile stuff necessarily. They nope. talked about problems they were having with their teams yeah. and their departments and their divisions. And mm-hmm. they were coming up with some great stuff. So let the people who do the work come up with the solutions for the yeah. problems. So that's what open space is all about. Yeah. Amen to that. Good stuff. Well, thanks for sitting down and sharing your story of stories <laughs> with us <laughs> here today. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, thank you. Well, that's it. Year 11 of the Agile Open SoCal is in the books. To find out more about any of the Agile Opens that we host in California, whether it's SoCal, Northern California, or San Diego, you can visit the website agileopencalifornia.com to find out what the next one is and how to be there. I'd like once again to thank today's guests. We had Paul Tevis, uh, the always entertaining Larry Lawhead, and of course Scott Dunn for his brief cameo in the definitions of Dunn. Before I let you go, I just want to remind you that you can go to rocket9solutions.com for a list of all the trainings that we offer, in addition to the Scrum Alliance Certified Scrum Master, Certified Product Owner, and the Certified Developer, which, by the way, some people say is the best CSD class you can take, we also offer the Team Kanban Practitioner. Next one's coming up in November, November 15th. And come back to the next episode of Agile Coffee, episode 63, where I will be joined by, once again, Larry Lawhead and a very special guest, friend of the pod, Van Ray. Van is teaching our TKP class coming up here in a few weeks. If you come back to that episode, as Larry said up front, 
Van will set your hair on fire. Good stuff. Great conversation that we had all about Kanban. And then finally, there's a class that I'm very proud of. It's going to be next year's model of my training from the back of the room course. Of course, the Sharon Bowman course. Um, I'm doing my 2020 class this, uh, this coming March. That'll be March 14th and 15th. You can remember that because of the Ides of March and Pi Day. And it's right after Agile Open San Diego, so there's always that. Until next time, listeners, thank you for being here. Enjoy your coffee with friends. Now, get busy. No!